Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to learn from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would just give us minds and hearts that are willing to think about such important things. I pray, Father, that you would uh, guide our discussions tonight and, uh, and allow it to be helpful for the sake of Christ. Um, Father, I, I just pray that you would really impress upon us the importance of, of church and, uh, and what it means to be people who are really committed to us, uh, being at church and, and being a part of the church and what that means. So, uh, so help us in this way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, what I want to do to start out this evening is I want to open up with a quick little video, okay? And uh, I, I came across this like a week or so, or so ago. And um, hopefully I didn't lose connection here completely. Um, but this will kind of give us kind of a start on our topic uh, this evening. Ooh, hello. Oh, did it? Oh, okay. I think my computer went in sleep mode and it turned it off. But. Okay. This guy's name is David Platt, and he's actually become a very well-known uh, uh, preacher uh, in you know, the evangelical uh, church. Uh, he's, he's a very good preacher, and uh, and just a couple minute clip on uh, on a, uh, a sermon illustration that he had uh, I think it was like a year or two ago so here we go in the even mode slowly rise oh. and make your way sorry hold on I gotta start over there we go imagine for a moment that you live in another country one completely foreign to you and you have an opportunity one fall to spend a week in Birmingham you come on a Sunday morning Birmingham's in Alabama, by the way. Many people, maybe even most, slowly rising to make their way to a building they call a church. They groggily approach that building for some sort of ceremony. Clearly, whatever happens at the beginning of that ceremony is not that important because most people don't come until after it has started. They're not looking at anybody. <laughs> Just saying. And so you watch them file in begin to mouth the words and songs, many of them almost expressionless, virtually emotionless, after which they sit down and passively listen to someone talk to them for a period of time. You notice people starting to get a bit fidgety, uneasy, as the time for the ceremony to end approaches. When it's finally over, they quickly walk out. But as you walk with them, you listen to them, and you hear many of them talking to one another about something that had happened the previous day. They smile. And then laugh as they recount another ceremony they've been to, apparently a bit more interesting than this one. A ceremony that happens apparently on Saturday. In fact, the rest of the week, that's almost all you hear people talking about, the coming Saturday ceremony. Even the people who are at the Sunday ceremony are strangely silent about what they heard and said about theirs. They're very enthusiastic about the Saturday. They can't seem to get here soon enough. So as your curiosity is piqued, begin to eagerly anticipate the coming Saturday ceremony with them. That Saturday comes, and you see people wake up and leave their houses dressed in some sort of outfit that they love to wear for these types of days. Many of them drive out of the city, some an hour west, others a couple of hours south, where they gather together on what they call hallowed ground for the Saturday ceremony. They get there early for this ceremony, way early. Where they eat and drink and laugh and play, not just with their family or with their friends, but with complete strangers. 
You've never seen community like this. And when the time comes, they all, tens of thousands of them, enter a shrine together. You can't think of another word for it. Where they raise their voices with passion to applaud some sort of assembly of children they don't know playing a game on a field. As that game begins, they shout and chant and sing until they virtually lose their voices with far more passion than the previous Sunday ceremony for sure. People don't look at their watches in this ceremony. They're so engulfed in what they're seeing and experiencing that they actually get excited when it goes into what they call overtime because going like long like this is a sign of a really exciting game. And the fun doesn't end after the ceremony is over anyway. When the boys that everybody has been cheering for win the game, the celebration has only begun. And the amazing thing is that it's not just the people who are at the ceremony who are celebrating. You come to find out that back in Birmingham, thousands and thousands of others who couldn't get here stayed there to watch this game on what they call a TV, though many of them are large enough to be virtual movie screens. <laughs> They're actually designed that way to make the most of watching ceremonies like this. And back in Birmingham, scores of people have circled up together around their screens to be a part of the ceremony from a distance. They, too, in their homes, are jumping up and down and high-fiving each other, celebrating the ceremony when it's over. And then, when it's all over, late in the evening, almost as if there's nothing to be cared for the next day, they go to bed. So, let me ask you a question. If you were that visitor from another country, and you came to this city on a wheelchair in the fall, be honest, which would you identify as the religion that is most important to this people? That's the religion that most excites this group. That's the religion that most consumes this group. Okay. So, what's the answer to his question? The sport, yeah, yeah. He's talking about football, okay? That's what he's talking about. Birmingham is actually in Alabama. He's talking about the Alabama football team. Sports down in the south is a huge deal, like way bigger than it is here. You're like, can it get any bigger than it is here? Oh, yeah. Like, mm, it gets really big. Just ask Colin. If you, know, if you don't know Colin, you need to get to know him. He's a, he's a funny guy. So, he just came to our church recently because he moved in the area. So, um, but this is an excerpt from, uh, from David Platt's sermon, one of David Platt's sermons. And this sermon is, is all about exposing the um, idolatry of sports, okay, and in our Christian culture. Now, I didn't show you this video because I want to tell you all the bad things about sports or something like that. That's, that's actually not what I'm doing. Uh, in fact, I don't even want to talk about sports tonight. That's not our topic at all. Uh, that's for another unstained evening. But I showed you this video because... I want you guys uh, to see the contrast uh, between the way we treat sports or other things in our lives and the way we treat church. There's a huge contrast, I think, that he brings out there, right? There are so many different things that we get so excited about, and yet church, especially in our Christian, American Christian culture today, tends to be the thing, one of the, one of the things that's just kind of like, eh, we're just kind of there. And it's just kind of ho-hum. And so church has really fallen on hard times. Uh, it used to be actually the most sacred, wonderful, and encouraging moment of your week. That's kind of the way it used to operate like back, you know, hundreds of years ago. 
Uh, even like 50 to 75 years ago, that was the case too. But according to our culture today, it's kind of the most monotonous, dull, and useless moment of your week. That's kind of the way it's seen. And I kind of like to think of it like sports chalet license plate frames. How many of you guys have seen those sports chalet license plate frames? It says, yeah, I'd rather be, you know, canoeing or fishing or, you know, hunting or uh, biking or swimming or something like that, right? A lot of Christians in churches today look like they have this big old license plate frame on their head that says, I'd rather be anywhere but here. I mean, that's just kind of the, the reality of it. And it, you know, it's going to be, the nice thing about our church is that it's going to be really hard to find these kinds of people in our church. You actually have to go hunting for them. You really do. Um, our church has a very different culture, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, people want to be at our church, but I want you to realize that our church isn't the norm. This isn't the way it normally is. Um, the kind of excitement that you kind of see in the smiling faces at, at Grace Bible is, is different than the average church. It's very different. And most Christians out there today almost see the church as a necessary evil. Uh, it's, it's not something that they want to be doing, but they just kind of have to do it. It's just part of their protocol of their, Christ, of their life or their Christian life, Christianized type life. Any, you know, if you ask any average American churchgoer why church is unappealing, uh, and, if, and if he or she's honest with you, they're going to give you probably any number of answers. They might say, well, it's just boring. It's awkward. Um, I feel like I get yelled at at the pulpit. Uh, the sermons are too long. The music's not cool enough. I don't know. You know, it doesn't have enough drums and bass and electric guitar and, you know, skinny jeans and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't have very many friends here. Some people complain about that. There's a lot of reasons people give. But if you think about this for just like two seconds, you have to wonder, there's got to be more to church than this. There's just got to be more. If God's, this is God's church after all, and if this is God's church, shouldn't it be dynamic? Shouldn't it be like the greatest thing on the planet? Shouldn't it be the place where you want to be, just not, not just the place that you need to be? And the reason why church is so difficult is really not for any of the reasons that I just gave you. It's not because it's boring, it's not because it's awkward or because the sermon's too long, because there's no skinny jeans or whatever. It's not that. The real reason church is so difficult for people is because people are idolatrous by nature. They're idolatrous. And we kind of, we've been talking a lot about idolatry in, you know, Ten Commandments sermons and things like that recently. Uh, we even, I think, kind of addressed it a little bit last week as well and in Stain. But that's the reason. People love sin. Um, whatever, you know, and just the question is, what kind of sin is it? Because it's going to be different for every person. You know, what are you treasuring more than that church experience that you're, uh, that you're there for? But a believer will always find himself frustrated frustrated at himself when, when church becomes unappealing. A believer finds himself frustrated because he loves God and he loves his church. That's, so a believer is always going to be frustrated with himself. He, he knows that something else has caught his attention. And if you find church unappealing or boring from time to time, or maybe even frequently, 
I kind of want to actually encourage you tonight a little bit. You're not alone. You're not alone. This is something that's common for everyone. Um, there are just there are times in the Christian life where church is just kind of, you're just kind of walking through the motions. It just kind of is. And I remember actually, I remember when I was in high school, I had a, my own small group time and we addressed this very question. Why is church boring? Like we're supposed to be Christians, but you know, and you know, it's, and I think even the question was asked, how many of you think church is boring? And you know, how I've ever made that, had that thought before. And the entire room raised their hands. It, everyone, everyone struggles with this. And so for us Christians, this problem resides in our sinful flesh that still wants to hold on to us. If you're not a Christian, this is just a common reality for you. That or you're just, you're so deceived by, by trying to be looking good in front of everybody that that's all you care about. Um, so I, if we want to remain unstained, because this is our topic for not just last semester, but this semester as well. If we want to remain unstained in this world, we must be vigilant to be committed to the church. We must be vigilant because it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. And there must be a, something that compels us to be committed. Um, and so really, unstained, if you really could just kind of put, nail down a main point for tonight, I would say it's this. Unstained calls for commitment to the church. Uns being unstained calls for commitment to the church, okay? It does. It demands that you're committed to the church. And if you're like, well, you know, what's the big deal with, you know, being, you know, what's the big deal about church? You know, so what if I don't show up? Like, what, what, what's the, what difference is that really going to make? You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about that question, but, uh, but think about that for a second, you know, what difference does it make if I don't show up? The, the church service is still going to go on. Pastor Steve's gonna, still going to preach. You know, I'll probably still be there still preaching you know, or something, you know, in the youth. So what if you don't show up? What's the big deal? It's not going to harm it. Everything's going to move on. What's the big deal? Let me give you some reasons why it's a big deal. Church is where you grow spiritually. Church is where you get to hear from God through his word. Church is where you get to hear God's word explained to you. Church is where you get to hear the gospel. Church is where you get to share the gospel. Church is where you get to share your struggles with trusted friends. Church is where you get to share both spiritual and uh, material or physical joys about your life. Church is where you get to find spiritual rest and comfort from a crazy life. Church is where you get to encourage others, counsel others, rebuke others. Church is where you get to worship Christ. Church is where God is doing his work. Church is where God brings people to salvation. Uh, church is where God convicts people of sin. Church is where God can show you what you need to do about your sin. Uh, church is where God is put on grand display. Church is where you get to watch others weep for joy. Church is also where you get to watch others weep because of loss or sin or pain. Uh, church is where you get to find encouragement for the week ahead. Church is where you get to glorify God in so many ways that you would never be able to outside of church. And church is where God is leaving his theological footprint in this world. Church is vital. Now, let me camp out on that last one for a moment. Uh, church is where God is leaving his theological footprint in this world. Because the book of Ephesians actually highlights 
the enormity of the church, the, the grandeur, the, the magnitude, the impact that the church has in this world. And this is, this is a verse from uh, Ephesians 3, verse 10. It says, the manifold wisdom of God is now made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Let me repeat that again. The manifold wisdom of God is now made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What does that mean? It means this, that the church actually has an impact on the spiritual world. Like literally, when we are meeting at church and the word of God is proclaimed and people are actually doing what God designed them to do there, which is encouraging one another, uplifting one another, confessing sin to one another, um, um, you know, serving one another, you are actually having an impact on angels and demons. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that just shows you one small impact that the church has. That's a big one. But there's a lot of other ways that the church has an impact in this world. So commitment to church is so important. It's so important. And if commitment to church is so important, we need to answer a critical question, and that is this. What does commitment to church look like? What does it look like? Okay, so it's important, but what does it look like? How do I know I'm actually committed to the church? And that's kind of what I want to address tonight, okay? And I want to kind of brainstorm for just a few moments a couple ideas from you. What do you think it means to be committed to the church? What does that look like? Okay? And I'm going to write down some of your answers up here, okay? I'll try to put it over so Joel can watch. Okay? What do you think? What does, it mean to, what does it look like to be committed to the church? Any thoughts? Yeah. Serving. Serving. Okay, so we got service. Very good. Sure, absolutely. Service. Yeah. Okay, so let's just, I know it sounds kind of almost like rote, but attendance, attendance, being there, yeah? Evangelism, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot we could talk about that, that the church is a place where you learn how to evangelize, where you actually do evangelism, because there's unsaved people who show up, uh, and evangelism actually happens from the pulpit as well, uh, from preaching. Very good, yep. What else? Fellowship, yeah. Fellowship, very good. And you know what? I'm going to star that literally and figuratively in my brain because I want to come back to that, not tonight, but some other night. We need to talk about what fellowship is. So it's very good, though. What else? What does it mean to be committed to the church? What does that look like? You can give me even, like, tangible examples. It doesn't have to be, like, just broad, vague generalities, but... Yeah. Um, to listen closely and apply the word. Very good. Yep. You listen to the word. I'm just going to put listen word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So meeting needs. Meeting needs. Yeah, which kind of links to service, but, but it's a little more specific and tangible. You actually find you're actually locating, identifying needs that people have, and you're you're asking how can I help you? Whether it be just I want to serve you in some way, or maybe I like 
you need money? Like, I have money. I can give you money or something. No. <laughs> nah, I'm not going to give you money. So. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you do. So do I. <laughs> yeah, so this is good. This is a good start. So there's a lot of important parts of, of being committed to the church. And these are, this is a great start of, we could, there's just a lot of things. There's a lot of things we could talk about. Um, so there's a lot of teaching that goes on um, at church, obviously. Um, there's, you know, is it, is it up there? Sort of fellowship, but there's a lot of encouragement that takes place. Encouraging people, discipleship, that's exactly right, yep. Discipleship, there's a lot of things we could put up here. And, and there's a lot of, that's, those are some broad categories. There's actually a lot of subcategories we could talk about as well. So I find that Christians in this world who struggle the most with being unstained, being unstained, let me clarify that, being unstained by the world, do not get involved in a good church. That's actually one of the number one reasons why people have, real, have trouble with peer pressure or with, um, uh, or with just being influenced by the world, by, by worldly things. The reason why is because they're not involved in a good church. And there are three ways I see that happening, okay? Because it's not just people who are not attending church, okay? There's three ways that people do this. One, they can go to a good church, but they don't get involved in the church, okay? There's a difference. There's a difference. You can actually be at a good church, but you may not be involved in it. And so the world is still your primary influence. Number two, they go to a bad church, and it doesn't matter if they get involved or not. They're still going to be influenced by the world because there's nothing that's instructing them and encouraging them to walk on the right path. Or number three, they just refuse to go to church at all. Okay, So those are three ways that I see that happening. Um, and what I want to do tonight is I want to address, we'll, just, we'll walk through these very briefly, but I want to address six Six? Hold on. I had six, and then I thought I whacked one off. Okay, or I merged one with another one. Five. We'll go with five. <laughs> five core, non-negotiable priorities of commitment to the church, okay? So five ways to be committed to the church, okay? And these are just, in my mind, these are non-negotiable. You can't budge on these, okay? Like, if you're like, what is the mark of really being committed to the church? You have to have these five, okay? They're critical. Number one and most obviously, you got to be there. You got to be there, okay? We talked about this. This is attendance, okay? You got to be there. You got to be present. You got to come to church. Turn your Bibles really quickly to Hebrews chapter 10, okay? Hebrews 10. Uh, if you don't know where Hebrews is, we went to the book of James. It's the book right before it. So you might have accidentally turned there before. And this is a very, very complex book, but it's very good. It's very good. And, and one of the things that it talks about here uh, is this very issue of church. Okay? Uh, verse 24. Look at verse 24. What, chapter? Uh, sorry, chapter 10. Hebrews 10, 24. Uh, the author says this. He says, And let us consider how to stir, stir up one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, of yourselves. In other words, 
don't forsake church. The assembling is, is church. Don't, don't, don't stop going to church. But that's just as it is the habit of some. So some people were forsaking church. Some people were not coming to church. He says, don't do that. But what does he say? What's the opposite of that? He says, encouraging one another, encouraging one another. And, and he says, uh, all the more as you see the day approaching. So he says basically that Christ is coming back and that should motivate us to continue to meet together because we don't, we don't want to be shown unprepared when he comes. And if we're not coming to church, we're not going to be ready. We're not going to be ready. And so there, there's, there's kind of, that's kind of the logic of what he's talking about here. But, but notice, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Be there. Be there. Don't make it a habit that you're away from church. Be at church. That's an important part. So the first step to being an unstained, uh, committed churchgoer is go to church. Very simple. Go to church, okay? Be there. And I know you're like, well, I don't have a choice because I don't drive or, you know, Caleb drives, but, you know, but, you know, you come with your family, you know, you're underneath your parents, you know, house and stuff. You don't have a choice. So what, you know, this really isn't that big of a deal. Actually, it is. And for two reasons why it's a big deal, okay? One is this. You can still be at church and not be at church. Okay? What do I mean by that? I mean this. You can be present physically in your body at church and be totally absent in your mind and not be actually like engaging with what's going on. That is so huge for, for your guys' age. When I was your age, it was a struggle. It was a battle to actually engage with every part of church. Um, that's the first reason. Your attitude is, needs to be one of, I want to be here. I want to be here. And I'm, I am paying attention at every part, okay? Um, number two, it's this. Here's the second reason. At some point in the near future, you will have a choice to go to church or not. You will have a choice. And for some of you upperclassmen, that choice is coming very soon. It's very soon, okay? It's, uh, you know, you're going to graduate in a year or two or three here, and it's going to be, you're going to be making your own choices. You're going to be, you'll move out from your parents' home. You'll go to some college somewhere, or, you know, or you'll find a job somewhere, and, uh, and you will have a choice of going to church. And your parents, you know, they can, they can really encourage you to come to church. They can, you know, they can drive up to your place and, and try to drag you out of your home, but ultimately it's going to be your choice because you are going to be no longer underneath their supervision, underneath their authority. You're going to be your own man or your own woman. And so you will have that choice. Be at church. Be at church. It's the most simple thing you can do to actually live an unstained life is be around the church as much as you can. Number two, be worshipful. Be worshipful. Now, let me ask you really quickly, what does worship even mean? What does worship mean? Because I say that, but I'm not gonna just going to assume that you know what I mean by that. What does worship mean? Do you know? Can you guess, Ethan? It means to praise God. Good, yep, that's a huge part of it, yep. Yeah, very good. Worship, just very simply, and this is a nice way to kind of understand, know, learn the definition, it actually comes from two words, worth and ship. 
think worth shit. That's really what it is. It's what do you think is worthwhile in your life, okay? That's what you worship, is what you, what you think is worthwhile. So really, you can worship anything, and we've talked a lot about this, but you can worship anything. But worship is ascribing or giving value to something, okay, and demonstrating that value in particular ways. So when you worship at church, what are you doing? You're praising God. And so you're singing praises to him. You're listening to the word. You're uh, discipling other people or you're being discipled by other people. You're encouraging people. You're, you're, you're saying, this is valuable to my time right now. I'm giving God uh, my time because I think it's, he's worthwhile in this moment. Okay, that's what you're doing. That's worship, okay? Very simply. Uh, what does it mean? Well, here, let me ask you this. What, what does it mean to worship at church? What does worship look like at church? Give me a couple ideas. I think I just gave you a couple. So feel free to repeat them back to me just to make sure you were listening. You were present physically and mentally. Yes. Singing. Singing. Good. Yep. What else? Yeah. Fellowship. Fellowship. Yes. Listening. Listening. Yes. Nice job. Softball questions, right? So you're just knocking them out of the park. All right. So, yeah. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can worship. Uh, Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it says, teaching one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. In other words, how do you let God's word dwell among you richly? Okay, what is he talking about there? He basically means, how do you let the word of God saturate all of your relationships when you meet together? Well, you teach one another and you sing with one another and you encourage one another, and you give thanks with one another. It's basically what we do at church. What is he talking about? That's church. That's church. The best way to let the word of Christ dwell among you richly is to be at church and to participate in all the things that are going on at church, whether it's singing or, you know, being taught by the word of God or, you know, talking with someone about the Lord or, or whatever. Those are kind of, those kinds of things. So um, when you're at church, you need to be all about worship. You know, I, I used to tune out a, a lot during, um, even like, like even a couple of years ago, like five or six years ago at church, like I would kind of tune out when it got to like special music times when people would just kind of like sing up front. I'm like, oh, it's really nice and pretty, but I kind of think to myself kind of, oh, I'm not singing, so how am I participating in this? Even that can be an act of worship. Even listening to someone sing music can be worship. Because if you listen to the words of what's being sung, you can actually begin to agree with those words in your heart and sing them back to God on the inside. And it becomes a beautiful expression of your worship to God in that moment, okay? So every part of the church service is an act of worship. I never used to think about that. I used to think, well, maybe it's just the preaching and maybe when I sing. That, that's, that's church. You know, church is everything. It's as soon as you arrive. It's when the special music's being played. It's after the service when you're talking with people. That's all church. That's all church. So number three, we got to move quickly here, sorry. But be involved. Be involved, okay? So don't just be worshipful when you're there. Be involved. There's a lot of things you can be doing at church and even during the week when we're not actually meeting through our, at our, in our Sunday evening, um, our Sunday mornings and Sunday evening services. 
Uh, everyone should serve in the church. Every Christian should be serving. Every member of the church, everyone who's participating in the church, should be involved serving in some capacity. And it's going to look different for every person. Okay? And, you know, there's a lot of ways you can serve. Like Romans 12 talks about the fact that every, every Christian has a spiritual gift. Have you guys heard of spiritual gifts before? Shake your head yes or no if you've heard of spiritual gifts. Yeah, yeah? Okay, good. Everyone says that. Okay. Every, every Christian has a spiritual gift. And, you know, it can be anything, anywhere from, like, teaching to encouragement to serving to, like, compassion-type ministries, things like that. There's a lot of different ways, a lot of different gifts that people have. And if you're a Christian, you've got at least one gift, if not more. You've got gifts. God has actually, through his spirit, given you gifts to minister to people. And so you don't just show up at church and just kind of sit there and just, you know, just absorb everything, okay? That's not church, okay? That's not church. <laughs> uh, yeah, I may have too. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, but there, you should have some kind of uh, something you're involved in, something you're doing. And I know this is actually one way I think that you guys knock it out of the park. If, if, I, if I can nail down one of these that you guys are really good at, it's this. Because I see you guys always like, like signing up for stuff like babysitting. Like the, the celebration banquet, like you guys were rock stars with that. Like I preached every one of you guys who signed up for that, like I would have never done that when I was in high school. I'd have been like, kids? No way. No thank you. Like, mm, no way. I'm not changing that diaper. I'm not, no, no. Are you kidding me? So that's awesome. Find those things to, to serve and find those little things. You know, like, like I just talked about, you know, like serving, helping Vern Mortensen is going to be huge. That's a great way to serve. Or the, the Valentine's Day babysitting is a great way to serve. And, you know, but maybe there's other things you can do, but find those ways that you can serve, okay? Number four is this. And it's going to sound similar, but, it's, but it's, it's different. Be invested. Be invested. So it's not just be involved, but be invested. And you're like, what's the difference? What's the difference of being involved and being invested? Being involved is kind of what you can do, the what of what you can do. But being invested is the how you go about doing it. It's not just, okay, find some ministry to serve in and then just kind of doing it, do it once in a while. No, 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 no. Be invested. Plug in. Give yourself to that ministry. Be all in. Um, and I like to think about it kind of in like three ways here. How do I know I'm all, I'm all in? My, I got to analyze, I got to look at my time. I got to look at my money and I got to look at my energy. Okay. My time and my money, my energy. What is my, am I giving time to this? Do I have to, am I sacrificing time? Am I sacrificing money? Not necessarily that I have to, but if it needs me to, am I going to do it? And am I sacrificing my energy? Is it going to take like some labor and some effort? That's how you know like you're all in, is when you can see those three areas of your life getting plugged in, okay? That's commitment. You're invested. So you're not just involved in something, you're invested in that something, okay? That takes, that takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. And that's, but that's ministry. That's ministry. Ministry is sacrifice. Um, in fact, actually, I just talked about the spiritual gifts 
which actually shows up in Romans chapter 12. You know, right before that, right before he talks about spiritual gifts, he talks in, uh, uh, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this very famous verse. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. That's a good thing. That's, that's a good thing. The more you put into church, the more you invest in it, I guarantee you the more you're going to get out of it. The more you're going to get out of it. Uh, sell yourself to the church. Okay? Last but not least, number five, be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. Um, Acts 2.38 talks about how one of the very first moments in, in when the church actually started, uh, it said uh, that the message for people to actually get involved in church was this. First, repent. And second, be baptized. Be baptized. And then it said after that, that about 3,000 people were added. 3,000 people were added. So what happened was people got saved, then people were baptized, and then people were added to the church. And that was kind of the, the process by which the church was started. And that's the way, that's kind of the pattern that we have today. That's how people get in, uh, involved at church. They get saved, they get baptized, and then they uh, become a part of the church. They, 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 be, they become a member of the church, okay? And that's why actually membership and baptism is so important. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about the way our, our church works, but um, what, what, what we do is uh, once, oh man, when does this happen? I think it's once every, once every other month, there's a Grace Connect class. Yeah, okay, that's, that's right, yeah. So I couldn't remember. I'm like, man, I'm still new to this church here myself, so. Um, but there's a Grace Connect class, and I actually have a packet of Grace Connect here that I brought with me here. And it basically, like, there's a class, it basically is just a class that talks about our church, what we're all about, and it walks through the process of, here's how you can actually get involved at church. And I think this is really interesting because and what, one of the main things that it says is, or the first things that it tells you to do is, if you're interested in being part of the church, you need to go through two steps. One, if you haven't already been baptized, you need to be baptized. You gotta be baptized. That's, that's just a requirement of, of proclaiming publicly that you belong to Christ and you belong to the church at large, that you're a part of it and you identify with it and you want to stick with it. That's what baptism does. But to actually keep you accountable, there's a second step called membership, that we want you to actually become a member so we can actually keep you accountable to that profession that you made in baptism. Okay? So that's why we have the process that we do. So once you get saved, then we want you to get baptized, and then we want you to become a member, okay? So that's an important thing to, to note because I think at your, at your age, um, I don't know how many of you are actually baptized and how many of you actually are members of the church, but I want to address this because this is something you have to think about. I'm not saying you need to get baptized or become a member right now, but it's something you need to begin to think about, and if you are a Christian, if you... If you actually have a profession of faith and you are serious about that faith and, and you have the desire to be part of our church, guess what? I'm going to encourage you 
to begin to think about, hey, let's get you baptized if you haven't been already baptized. And let's get you a member in the church. And you're like, well, what if I move away in the next couple of years, join the college, or whatever? Well, that's fine, but, you know, be a member for five months. I don't care, you know, like that's, you know. The, the more you, once you become a member, you can really begin to invest more in the church and you begin to do all the things that we've been talking about. Uh, being a member is a really important part. And so, but to be able to get there, you got to be baptized. And be, before you get baptized, you got to be saved. So that's, it's, it has to go in that order. And so, um, so I say that because membership in baptism keeps you accountable. It keeps you accountable. And so if you're serious about living for the Lord and being part of the church, being committed to the church, then that's something you need to be thinking about, okay? So and if you have questions along those lines, you know, you know talk with me because um, I want to I help you out with that. So because um, there's different steps that we have to go through to actually make that happen. So. And if you're the kind of person that, like, I'm really scared to give a testimony in front of a large crowd, we can talk about that, too. So, and we can try to make it easier on you. So, um, I, I used to be, I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to be, like, uber shy. Like, uber shy. Like, really bad. So, so I know what it's like to stand up in front and be like, what am I doing? So, but God made me a preacher, which is bizarre. So, you, you always, it always ends up, you end up in the line of work you don't want to get into, but that's just the way it is, so, but I, I, I love what I do, so, anyways, so be there, be worshipful, be involved, be invested, be accountable, it's huge, okay, and when you are doing all those things in tandem, that's commitment to the church, that's being committed, and that begins to really set up your life to be, to live unstained in this world, that's, that's a huge, huge uh, proactive attack against the, the influences of the world. Okay? Bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you have not left us by ourselves, that you've given us a church. And that is so helpful for when we are tempted to, to sin and to be drawn away by the lusts of our flesh and by the, the influences of this world. Father, I pray that you would give us a burden to be committed to the church, each one of us. Um, help us to, to get plugged in, to, to be baptized, become members even, to, and, and, to, and to show that commitment through being involved, being invested, and, and just having an attitude of worship and trying to be present as often as we can. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, just give us that kind of a mindset and, and, and may that be the thing that deters us from sin and also encourages us to, to seek Christ daily because we love you and we want to make our lives about you instead of our making our lives like what David Platt was talking about, about just other ceremonies in life. As fun as those things are, Lord, they hold no weight, no value. They can't go to toe-to-toe with you. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us in these ways and bless our time as we have a brief discussion in small groups. In Christ's name we pray, amen.